0: stand still worldwide. The Inner Circle is writing history. This year has been about sacrifice.
1: You are the unfortunate soul that has come into possession with something that I want.
0: And tough decisions.
2: I got tired of listening
0: to you crying, bitch. But for those who have found peace over panic and faith over fear. The Inner Circle versus the elite know that when nothing is certain
3: everything is possible what do i have to do to the match around here yeah. who do i have to piss off i want to be the aew world champion tonight we are all essential this means everything to me this night is my showcase tonight we will all put in the work we want to be tnt
1: champion
0: We aren't about to give up. Where do you want me to start? He tried to kill me with a golf cart. Sammy's running like a scalded dog. Oh
3: my God. And neither are you. Maybe I just need to go into business for myself. Who's ready to step up?
0: You have had everything handed to you on a silver platter since birth. Who's ready to step forward and enter the cave of fear? The inner circle is challenging you to the first ever stadium stampede match. What the hell? Oh my God, It was a giant snake. The AEW World Championship is about a lot more than a piece of metal. To find the treasure they've been looking for. This show will be...
1: Unforgettable. I want something.
0: I take it. Why does tonight matter? Why does one come to AEW Tony? To be successful? To be successful. Because it's time to stop worrying and start believing.
1: The reason I'm gonna walk out of double or nothing as the AEW women's champion, I'm Nyla
3: Rowe and I break bitches.
0: There will be a hailstorm of violence. This is all elite wrestling, double or nothing. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck dude. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it, I know I put it, but I'm most of all the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my
3: fireflies,
0: as always, I'll light the way, and all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is... And all oh, my magnificent you're going mine all night long.
1: Here's
0: Jonathan Hood.
1: It is Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Jonathan Hood with you on this Memorial Day weekend. Thanks so much for checking us out. We're recording this early Sunday morning, the day after Double or Nothing, the show that took place at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, the pay-per-view for AEW. And so we're going to review AEW Double or Nothing. Let me start off by saying this, that for those of you listening to the show that know me, you know that I love professional wrestling. I'm a pro wrestling fan, not a sports entertainment fan. And some of you younger listeners To me of this podcast and of our TWT shows, you know that I'm someone that's been watching wrestling for a long time. And I also know that there's been plenty of what Pat Patterson used to call Gaga, funny, sports entertainment, things that are not necessarily pro wrestling based, but it is Gaga or the funny, right? And so going back to world-class championship wrestling in Dallas with Jimmy Garvin being... Slave for a Day or Servant for a Day with the Von Erichs and the Von Ericks Ranch to the uh, TNT shows with Vince McMahon and Lord Alfred Hayes uh, back in the day. Some of the worst skits, worst television that you'll find was attached to the WWF product at the time. Just the McMahon, Russo, Pritchard, um, Ed Ferrara days of the Attitude Era. A lot of that stuff was hit or miss as far as their skits were concerned. It was all through the lens of what Vince McMahon thought was funny. And a lot of times it failed. It was flat, but it is memorable for some. The NWA with Mrs. Atlanta Lively. The NWA had Ronnie Garvin dressed up in drag. And nobody knew that that, that was Ronnie Garvin until he turned around, boom, a big punch. and you knew it was Ronnie Garvin. Um, Jim Cornette wrestling a mutant ninja turtle. That actually was a thing at Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Or Jim Cornette's uh, face going into a cake. Not only in Mid-South, but also in the NWA. Some of the Memphis silliness with Jerry Lawler. You always always knew when Jerry Lawler was booking because that's when you saw Frankenstein and Spider-Man and all these different characters, right? So you saw this Memphis silliness. You can go back there. There's some great wrestling, but also some things that Jerry thought was entertaining. And so, entertainment's always been part of wrestling. 2020 is nothing new. We've seen this for a long time. But I watched AEW Double or Nothing last night, and I didn't want to just jump on and just record something and put it up um, right away because I just wanted to sleep on it a little bit and think about what I watched with the um, stadium stampede match at TIAA Stadium, the home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I just kind of just wanted to watch what was going on with uh, this show and watching the Inner Circle against the Elite and Matt Hardy. And once again... Gaga has always been part of wrestling. But here's the thing that I'm asking. The, what I'm asking is, is AEW trying to outdo the WWE when it comes to entertainment? Sports entertainment. Because I personally don't need that as a wrestling fan. I've never thought watching a wrestling company of any sort, man, they're not making me laugh today. Man, where is you know, where is the funny in this particular scenario? See, comedy is natural. I don't consider myself a comedian. I feel like I can be humorous at times because there's certain things that happens and because I was pretty much raised on sitcoms in the 70s and 80s, I I guess I've acquired kind of a quick wit, but not to the point where I'm just going to overwhelm you with bad comedy just because, or good comedy just because. I'm not going to do it because, to me, comedy is organic. And so... I'm going to juxtapose Money in the Bank and their main event versus what we saw at AEW at Double or Nothing with this Stadium Stampede match. I'm watching the Stadium Stampede match. I'm thinking, when is this going to end? That was my first thought. I'm like, wow, this is lasting a long time. And it lasted, I felt, I didn't have a clock on it, but I felt like it was like 35 or 40 minutes of just skit after skit, you know, things that you saw that you're watching. You're like, okay. So how does this actually end? Who's going to win this thing? And what is disheartening about it is, is that some of the things I saw last night on, on Double or Nothing with this Stampede match, I already saw on Dynamite. Did we not see Sammy Guevara running from a golf cart? He does it again on that Double or Nothing show. Not only that, ran, ran from a horse. He's a guy that was just taking a lot of... Uh, of punishment yesterday I guess that's his thing because I guess that's funny but the thing is is that they already showed us some of the stuff on Dynamite so instead of saving uh, some of that stuff for the pay per view we already saw some of it it's similar to Money in the Bank in which some of the spots we saw on Money in the Bank in the main event for the men's and women's we already saw on NXT we already saw on WWE programming we saw this uh, Randy Orton and Edge right What's one of the spots we remember from, from the gym? The uh, weight going against the mirror, shattering the mirror. Did we not see that in Money in the Bank? Did we not see that with Tommaso Ciampa and Gargano? Same spot, right? So, from AEW standpoint, if they want to be better than the WWE, they've got to do everything better than the WWE and not do it because, well, Vince would say no to this, so we definitely have to do it. That cannot be the goal. And I know that for former WWE wrestlers that work for AEW, a lot of it is, wow, well, Vince would never let me do this. Well, let's try this. And Tony Khan's like, yeah. You know how I know that? Go in the archives of this podcast and look for my conversation with John Moxley. Without me even asking him, he brings up, uh, the fact that, yeah, there's some things uh, that we're doing now here in AEW that Vince McMahon would never allow us to. So I asked him, hey, when I'm with Kenny in this matchup in Baltimore, can we do this? And Tony's like, yeah. And John Moxley's like, wow, I, I can't believe he allowed us to do this or allowed us to come up with these things. It, 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 you can't do these things just because, well, Vince would never allow this, so let's do it this way. You do it because it's innovative. But once again, I will say this until A.W. thrives or closes or somewhere in between. You cannot let the boys run your business. The boys talking about those that have uh, ideas. They all can't be clear. They all can't be greenlit. There has to be some kind of checks and balances. If Tony Khan is that person that's just got the checkered flag and just allowing everything to happen, this is great, this is great, I got the facilities, let's just do this, let's do that, then if no one's saying no, then where will AEW end up? And ultimately, the point with AEW is, whether you like the company or not, you want something else beside WWE programming to watch. Yes, there's New Japan. Yes, there's NWA, MLW, uh, Ring of Honor. Impact, uh, and all these companies around the country that are independent, and also um, across the country and around the world. In Ireland, in the UK, in South Africa, there's wrestling everywhere, right? Canada, there's wrestling everywhere. In Mexico, with Triple A, but the point is, is that you want something in North America if you're a a fan of the WWE or tired of the WWE, you want a strong second brand and you want to thrive and survive and continue to move forward. I don't need to have someone to outdo the WWE when it comes to sports entertainment. I don't think it's necessary. And with this matchup, the stampede match, they did everything, everything you could think of. They did in a, a football stadium. Is there going to be a, a, Stampede Stadium match, is there going to be a second one next year or in three or four? Look, entertainment is fine uh, in doses, but that was the main event. That overshadowed all the other matches that were on the card because of the length of it and because they had room to be able to tape it, edit it, try to figure out what, what they can use, what they can't use. Similar to Money in the Bank. Again, I don't need AEW to outdo the WWE in entertainment. I need AEW to outdo the WWE as far as overall entertainment. I mean, like, I don't know, the wrestling. The wrestling, the promos, the the production, the presentation. Yeah, it's nothing wrong with being different. But I want it to be good on a regular basis. Not, not just mediocre or saying, wow, that was better than Money in the Bank. Now, it's got to be better than everything else if they're trying to thrive, if they're trying to survive. And so that's, that's what I'm looking at. So we, we've seen Gaga for years. But ultimately, AW success is going to be based on the stake, as Jim Ross would say, over the sizzle. The stake must be the in-ring product. And here's the thing that I will give AEW some rope on. AW still new. And they're still working out the kinks. It's not a perfect company by any stretch of the imagination. It's still working toward trying to be solid. All I know is that the veterans, for the most part, are still the stars in this company. And the young wrestlers have a lot to learn. It doesn't mean that that's exactly who they're going to be in a year or two. But I'm concerned that the AW brand... Uh, Section of the brand is so concerned about the entertainment, so concerned about doing what Vince would not do, instead of just trying to be the solid professional wrestling product. If I'm old, too old school to understand that, then fine, I'll cling to my wrestling. And here's something I'll admit: I know that in sections of the wrestling community, that I'm the guy that's old school. I'm the guy that might be out of touch. I'm losing the wrestling fight. Because NXT, every single week, is trying to provide a professional wrestling show. There's not a lot of gaga on that show. Because every takeover is excellent. There's never been a bad takeover. Every takeover, people are like, oh my god, I can't believe that show. I can't believe uh, this, this card. And it's all pro wrestling. Triple H is providing pro wrestling. But you know what? That pro wrestling show, every Wednesday, is losing to AEW. Because it's new, it's fresh, it's different I like that But I just don't want AEW to morph into Hmm, let's watch Raw Oh, we could do that much better Let's watch SmackDown, let's watch watch this show Oh, we could do much better than that Let's top what they're doing When it comes to the entertainment You can do that, but don't forget the wrestling end too
0: That's a stinger splash! A stinger splash indeed Cody's favorite wrestler growing up what did Archer, the oh. Choke slam. One, two, no! no! Cody fights and fights and fights. Jake Roberts can't believe the fight in this kid. Wow. He should. He should know. He knows his DNA. He knows his blood. And Archer now with the EVD claw. Everybody dies. And this could be the end of Cody. Yeah, but Archer cannot cover him here. Archer's in a lot of pain. He's trying to mask the pain. He's a bit tough guy, but he's hurting right now. Turns out that Lance Archer, Archer is human after all. And Jake Roberts knows Lance had the opportunity and the momentum, but he can't follow up. Crossroads. That's oh. it. Crossroads nailed. He's got him. Here it is. Starting with a cover. Oh. I'm powered out. My God. He took three legacy Roads moves, did Archer, and none of them. All combined, couldn't keep him down.
1: Just moments there of Cody Rhodes against Lance Archer for the TNT Championship. Not a fan of the belt, by the way. The belt could be, that doesn't, I'm not necessarily like an over the top belt guy, but I don't think that championship looks good. (laughs) I think that there is a way to be able to make that really unique and cool, and that belt is just as average uh, a a championship belt as I've seen. Interesting. So the TNT Championship uh, is won by Cody. Uh, A really good match uh, between the two. Lance Archer uh, comes from Japan and has really, really had some terrific matches in New Japan. So he's now in AEW. And here's I thought the match was good, not great. But here's something that I had a problem with. First of all, you have a yawning Mike Tyson. <laughs> you got Mike Tyson that's there is supposed to present the championship, right? And you they cut to... They had like a million cuts to Mike Tyson in the corner. Over there at ringside. Just watching. And they show, show him yawning uh, during the, the match. That wasn't a great look. <laughs> that wasn't a great look there. When Tyson yawning during the match. Um So this whole build up with Cody Rhodes and Lance Archer. Here's what I'm talking about as far as build. So... Leading into this, we saw Arn Anderson, who's in the corner of Cody, and Jake Roberts in the corner of Lance Archer. And Jake Roberts, Jake the Snake Roberts is great at getting Jake the Snake Roberts over, but not great in getting Lance Archer over. That's a problem. Like, Jake is supposed to be a manager or a coach or whomever. But Jake is great getting Jake over, but he's not doing a great job for Lance. And Lance Archer actually doesn't need a manager, but I like the idea that Jake's there to show um, Lance an even more evil side. It's just not coming through very well. But you like Jake's promos, of course. He's one of the best promo men in the history of the business. Arn Anderson, on the other hand. Arn Anderson with Cody Rhodes. Okay, so Arn's there, and I think he's done a good job as a coach for Cody Rhodes, Arn and Jake looked like they were going to battle a week before this pay-per-view, but they never had interaction. There was never a fight between the two, so it was almost a waste. And then I don't know how much it cost for Tony Khan to bring Mike Tyson in to present the championship belt to Cody Rhodes. I know that Tyson is trying to make a comeback here at age 52, 53 years of age, but Tyson didn't throw a punch. The difference between Tyson, a younger Tyson, during that whole Michaels-Austin feud is at least you saw Tyson be able to throw a punch or a kind of a skirmish between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Tyson. Tyson was there, but just never threw a punch. He threatened Jake Roberts and made sure he didn't bring the snake out. That's great, but there's never a physical interaction. And all the hype around it was, oh, watch out, Tyson's going to be able to fight with Lance Archer or... Arn Anderson saying that Tyson's going to fight with um, Jake Roberts. It it just, it never happened. It never happened. It was kind of a letdown. He was just there to deliver the belt, root for Cody Rhodes, and yawn. And also to give us a double bicep pose to show us that he's still in great shape. Uh, Okay. So Cody Rhodes becomes the champion. In a very heavily babyface winning card interesting enough, for this double or nothing. A lot of baby faces won, and Cody was one of them. I don't think it hurts Lance Archer, um, but you've got to keep Lance Archer hot. Okay, he took a step back, losing to Cody Rhodes, and Lance looks menacing, and he looked good in this match. But, you know, you want to somehow keep Lance Archer hot because he's a guy with size, uh, he's got Japanese experience, Japanese wrestling experience, and that guy is a future star in that company. Now that he's stateside and back from Japan, get this guy in a position where he is unstoppable. Uh, I like him being in the company, and I could see a, a, a further battle between Cody and Lance in the future.
0: Oh! Okay. Sheeta was thinking that, that rising knee strike, but Nyla in one fell swoop cut her off. Oh! oh Power that has got to spell the end of the challenger here tonight. Nyla pulls are out, covers! One, That's two. Oh. A lot of hard left in that girl. And Nyla Rose is shocked. Yeah, she's getting frustrated. and that, that frustration reared its head about three minutes ago, and now we're seeing it again. And you can see Nyla visibly wincing. Oh! There she got to her feet, but didn't stop her from hitting that Death Valley driver, Tony. And then retrieving the kendo uh. stick and using it. For a restaurant quality beating on Sheeta. Nyla pulling Sheeta out. I would not advise this. No, I wouldn't either, but if this big girl connects, she is slowly getting to the top. But Sheeta, oh, just winged the stick at her. Big roundhouse right hand by Sheeta. Now, what are you going to do with each other there? What mayhem can you create? Nyla up on her feet. Sheeta as well. Oh my god! He caught her. Sheeta. The top. It's going to be a loud thud here. Oh my god! Avalanche Falcon Arrow. She has done the deal. One, two, oh!
1: Nyla Rose, the women's champion, taking on Sheeta. Just a few clips from there as well. I uh, I enjoyed this match. Uh, it's it made Cheetah look really strong and believable way more than Riho. Way more than Riho. Riho is someone I never believed in as a champion or even a wrestler, for that matter. But in this match, Sheeta looked credible against Nyla Rose. It was, it's always going to be a smaller woman against uh, Nyla Rose, for the most part, in, at uh, AEW. But I, I thought that this matchup really delivered. Um, there's a lot of... You know, of course, this was a no disqualification, no count out match. So they were using a lot of, um, you know, kendo sticks and a lot of plunder uh, around ringside. And I thought that that was a really, really well. Uh, done match between the two I would have liked Nyla Rose to be able to hold on to the championship but there was a change with Sheeta and so I'm okay with seeing this match a few more times because I thought that Nyla Rose was getting momentum as someone that was beating uh, winning a lot of matches and getting her character uh, in a great position I would prefer Nyla to win this match but now that Sheeta is the champion and Nyla's going to be challenging and chasing Sheeta hopefully we'll see these two in the ring a lot more more. Uh, a lot of talk about big girls uh, in uh, from the announcers, by the way. Apparently, Nala Rose and Chris Statlander, not the cup of tea of Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. It's clear. It's television. Uh, we could see the size difference, um, but... Um, it's interesting. A lot of talk about, oh, the, the big girl, boy, and Jim Ross said at one point on the Chris Statliner match, which we're not going to review, but just I remember him saying just like, uh, just, uh, not, not, not trying to be offensive, but, but she's a big girl. Well, oh thanks. Thanks. I could, I could see that these are the women with size. That's a good thing. Um, I would hate for AEW to have all the same size. And at, at one point, I was thinking, is there ever gonna ever be anybody with size in the men's or women's division that can uh, stand out more so than just the norm in that company? But things are starting to change as the roster starts to evolve.
0: And Moxley on his feet. There's Brody. Oh, he's oh nice my God. God! Brody Lee is, has been busted open. I mean, the, his head at the top of his head. Was what pierced that ramp first? Yeah, just the top of his head was bleeding. That's the source of that cut. We his hairline, and now he's dazed. He's lost some blood. Looking for the big one. Oh, trying to... oh, no. oh. the arms. The oh. oh, Moxley. Moxley trying to widen the cut, oh. open this man up, now we and Moxley biting with We've never seen a world title match like this, ever. This is serious Moxley teeing off on Brody Lee. Oh, good oh, God. Upside down with that straight up. What a, what a. One, two. Got him. Oh. No. I don't know how the hell this man is kicking out of these things. That's a tough son of a bitch thought if you taste That it. time for sure he was done. Brody Lee is bleeding a little bit God. more losing more blood. They're trying to choke him out now. Rear Moxley. naked choke. Moxley using the bulldog hook and he transitions into the rear naked. He has one hook in, and Brody is fading. His eyes are closed. His hand is dropped. It's over. That is it. John, John Moxley retains.
1: John Moxley retains his AEW championship by defeating uh, Brody Lee, Mr. Brody Lee. That is the biggest match of Brody Lee's career right there. I don't know if people realize that because Brody Lee in his time in the WWE, yeah, he had a I believe he had an Intercontinental title run, tag team title run, but he was a guy that was always underneath and would never end the main event for the World Championship and that was the biggest match he's ever been in and probably the best match I've seen John Moxley in since he's been champion. With this COVID-19 and because there is not an audience, a full house to be able to watch Moxley's reign as champion, it's hard to gauge on how people view Moxley as a champion. Now, I know that that Moxley uh is a guy that is He can wrestle, but watching his stuff in Japan, watching his stuff even before he's in WWE, he likes it rough and tumble. He likes it a little gore, a little blood and guts here and there. And so he doesn't mind uh, being able to mix it up and to be that kind of a different wrestler. Um, but I thought that he really told a great story there. It's always going to be physical with Moxley. He loves the punishment. He loves to give the punishment. But uh, that did a lot for Brody Lee, I thought. Brody Lee never tapped out. He just was choked out, uh, and so maybe this continues. Maybe it does not. Uh, this battle between uh, Moxley and Brody Lee. But I thought that that did a lot for for Brody Lee being in that main event because he's got to deliver, right? So we're seeing a former WWE wrestler, actually two of them. But you know, Moxley has been in AEW now since the beginning, but Brody Lee comes in, and I personally thought that it was too soon for Lee to have a title match this quickly. He just got to the company. We understand he's part of the dark order. Now it's just the whole dark order thing is so interesting because the two guys, Uno and the other guy that doesn't have a mask, they're both stuck in Canada. So they can't be uh, part of these AEW festivities. So it's really been on Lee and some of these, his uh, other guys has been part of this dark order leading the way. And so, you know, I I think that for for Brody Lee, him being part of the Dark Order, I think he should have been able to work his way up versus him having a main event, a main event like match for the world championship. I think it's kind of soon. It's something the WWE would do, you know. And I I don't think that uh, Lee should have gotten a title match so soon. There should have been a, a further build to find out the dominance of Brody Lee, showing that he's different than he was with the Wyatt family, and then moving forward. It's more than just his promos in a suit, him trying to be like this faux Vince McMahon. Again, this is what happens when you allow the boys to have uh, have their own room for their uh, creative. He's like this Vince McMahon type thing, all the stuff that happened to him. Now he's turned into Vince in some way, shape or form in some ways, loosely based. And so now he loses. Now what happens to him? He doesn't get hurt by it. But I don't think that a world championship match should have been um, one of the first things he does in the company. How long has he been with AEW? A couple months? Hardly, maybe. And now he's in the in that matchup with Moxley? Interesting. Uh, could have been others that have been in the company. But uh, Brody Lee and Moxley, I thought it was a good match for both of them. And, and Moxley's got to continue to have some of these good matches to make him strong uh, as a champion. I believe Chris Jericho as champion was great. Now Moxley's got to be able to take the torch and be just as great or better than Jericho. Let's see if that happens.
0: Power of MJF impressive. Backslide! Jungle Boy able to kick out using his his legs. Look at Jungle Boy fight off, holding hands together. And he's keeping his knees under him. He's not letting MJF flatten him out. Oh! boy, like, right to that shoulder joint. Yeah, and it's right across the knee. Those hammer and anvil elbows by MJF on the shoulder. Jungle O'Connor Boy, roll one, two, no! This, if you get, the kid had both arms healthy. He's got a win right there. Right. Talking about Jungle Boy. Right. O'Connor roll out of the corner. One, two. And hold the tights. One, two. Jungle Boy returns the favor. Look, shoulders are down. Oh. oh, MJF got you know winner,
1: what you just heard was the best match on AEW Double or Nothing. And that is MJF beating Jungle Boy. That was the best match on the card, best wrestling match on the card. And here's why. You watch MJF and the way he wrestled Jungle Boy, it was at MJF's pace. This match was be great in the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, 2000, 2020. It could be great in any era because MJF was able to win and perform at his pace. Notice the difference between an MJF match and almost everybody else in AEW? Maybe not Jericho, maybe not Cody Rhodes as much, but MJF wrestles at his own pace. It will, if you go back and watch that, You watch MJF roll out of the ring when he feels like he's in danger. He was able to have like, hey, let's do this test of strength, slowing down the match. He does everything at his pace, and that makes him completely different than everybody else in AEW. And and the WWE in that matter, too. The match I saw with Jungle Boy last night was the same match I saw from Heels, hated Heels, in the 1980s. It was great. It, the whole thing was laid out. Jungle Boy was able to accelerate and get some of his moves in, where, you know, diving over the, the ropes and doing these flips and all that stuff. And those things are great. But here's, here's the thing: when everybody does it, doesn't make it special. And because MJF could do those things and does not do it, it makes him special. That's, that's the difference. It's more than just the promos with MJF, he was able to win clean. Against Jungle Boy. And then it doesn't necessarily hurt Jungle Boy that much. What it does is, is that it accelerates MJF as someone that's not even 20. I don't think he's 25 yet. I think he's still 23, 24. Uh, and you could tell that he has learned by watching tapes and watching the past. And implementing what we've seen in the past to the present. And it makes him new and fresh. Well, everybody... Everybody in AEW, seemingly, outside of a few veterans, are going to dive off the top rope, dive through the ropes, uh, do a, to, a tope so, suicida to do all this stuff outside the ring, uh, flying off the of ladders and all this other stuff. MJF's like, nope, nope, uh, I will wrestle at my pace. doesn't make it boring at all. It doesn't make him like Larry Zabisco in his prime where he's just stalling, trying to extend the time limit by just kicking the bottom rope and you're arguing with the fans and you know going in and out of the ring four or five different times. It's not that. No. I used to pay for Larry Zabisco to see him do that. <laughs> but the point is that MJF will allow the babyface to get some of his moves in, but he will cut him off by being able to slow the pace down. And it was just perfect. Great match by MJF. Not surprising, right? I mean, the guy just continues to get better and better every time. I know that when he's on social media and he does promos, he says, I'm better than you and you know it. And like, But he even knows that there's more to give because he's watching the old tapes and seeing what a heel is supposed to do. He is who his character is, and I admire him for it. I, it doesn't matter what he says about anybody else. He just has to continue to just be better and just continue to work at his pace. He can't change now because if he changes, he'll be like everybody else. Oh, well, I didn't get my four or five dives in. I didn't get my shit in. Oh, I've got to, again, if everybody does it, it doesn't make it special. <laughs> everybody's a high flyer, whether you're a small guy or a big guy, everybody's just on the run in the ring for no reason. Just start accelerating, just start to run in the middle of the ring for no reason. MJF didn't do that. And that makes him totally unique. I'm totally down with that guy. And again, you know, 2020 where everyone's cynical, people, some people don't get uh, him being a heel. People don't get when he's being insulting all this stuff, but he's being a prick because he is a prick. He wants you to know that. He wants you to hate him. Oh, MJF's so cool because he's a prick. Well, the thing is is that if you are a bad person and if you are someone that is skeptical or cynical, all that, he takes it to a whole different level. So you can never be at his level, which is great. He just continues to lower the bar as far as him looking down at us as fans, looking down his nose at us. Uh, and so if you think that you're an MJF, an MJF fan, he goes even lower and you can't reach his level of being a heel <laughs> it's brilliant it really is see we're in this guy you guys you notice this
3: you watch you, you, you have your own website on this raj um know, knows more than i do we're in this transition not even i think we're in it right now this stage of wrestling in which we don't we're not expected to watch wrestling anymore and care about the things I just talked about earlier about telling these great stories, working a body part, whatever the hell. And you do care about you mostly invest in people enough to to want them to win, and the other person to lose. It, we're not there anymore. We're now in a place in which everyone is a wrestling because the cat's out of the bag so much. It's been so many years since we said those sports entertainment, and it's a work that now everybody isn't an, an analyst, but they watch it for the work rate and how the two characters. Try to make you suspend your disbelief and try to tell the story in the ring. Nobody believes they're really hitting each other and somebody's getting shaken out of them anymore. Um, if that makes sense, it feels like we're we're, we're judging the act yeah. of wrestling now as fans. And so, if that's the case, I don't know where that slippery slope stops. Um, and I think we saw a little bit of it tonight. Of where it can go and what we're supposed to sit back and think is, oh, this is supposed to be entertaining. Uh, boy, <laughs> am I old,
1: <laughs> right? I mean, and uh, let me get some of the criticism here. Sometimes things can be
0: just for the smart fans to have it laugh at. It's okay, chill out, Raj. Okay. Um,
3: here's my. Th- okay. 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 Smart you guys don't like no, that. I'm going to tell you something. The very smart man, Vince big man, <laughs> said to me directly when I brought this up. When smart, smart mark was not a very popular phrase. Um they don't make a company any money. Playing to smart marks does not make a company money. It'll boost your social media, it'll boost the hits on your their YouTube clips, shows and things of that nature and what and maybe uh, news websites. okay? But you see the ratings. If I had a microphone, I would drop it right now.
1: Some thoughts there from the blueprint Matt Morgan who is on a podcast with Glenn Rubenstein as well as uh, Raj Geary? Raj Geary was a um, guest on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. They all three are from WrestlingInc.com. And so after every Raw, AW, NXT, SmackDown, or pay-per-view, they always have a, a podcast that you could see on Periscope Uh, and on the website, WrestlingInc.com. And so I was watching a little bit of that last night after the show, and I heard Matt Morgan say that. I wanted to kind of bring you what Matt Morgan said. Matt Morgan, you remember, was with TNA, also with the WWE as well, and he's no longer a wrestler, uh, but he still is a broadcaster, podcaster, um, talking about um, wrestling on a weekly basis. What he said there was very interesting because Matt Morgan is a guy that believes – in the pure pro wrestling and not a lot of the sports entertainment. And you heard him talk about his conversations that he's had with Vince McMahon, who's at WWE, about smart smart fans. Look, you know, what happened with the Stadium Stampede uh, main event, the spectacle that took place, you know, again, that's not... It, it, I don't know if that was for smart fans. I don't know who that was catering to. Um, as for me... I prefer the action to be in the ring to tell a story so I can get uh, into the characters, into the wrestlers that we're watching, into the storylines that we're watching. Uh, wrestling is no different from any other show, any other story, you know, soap opera or whatever, male soap opera. What it's about is trying to figure out how. You can be able to be into the storyline on a weekly basis, and I thought what Matt Morgan said was, was very interesting. I, I, you know, he here's a guy here that likes what uh, the in ring, and thought that uh, what we saw with that stadium stampede uh, thing that we saw on Double or Nothing was interesting, but not the most compelling thing on the card. And you heard Raj Geary, you know, mention you know start to go into a question. And you heard Matt Morgan cut him off and talk about smart marks. Smart marks are not the difference between um, a a company succeeding or failing. It's about bringing everybody under the tent. It's not about, hey, you know, they know what we're doing here, so we got to cater to them. No, I I totally agree with them in that regard. By the way, good to see uh, Brian Cage, who I saw at the Odeum in Villa Park in in the Chicagoland area last time that uh, Ring of Honor was here. I'm sorry, it was last time TNA was here, Impact Wrestling, um, when uh, they had their uh, their show here in the Chicagoland area, it was great to see Brian Cage and to see him now in AEW, managed by Taz, Teflon Taz. Okay. <laughs> Brian Cage is an intelligent guy. He doesn't necessarily need a mouthpiece, but apparently Taz will be a manager or a coach. With Brian Cage, uh, interesting to see Taz out there just kind of standing and um, you know telling the cameras how special Brian Cage is. Cage just got to the company and all of a sudden now wins that ladder match and becomes number no one contender for the championship held by John Moxley. That was quick. So right from Impact Wrestling to the number one contender... You know, they are elevating a lot of big guys uh, in this company and, and new names and new faces. I understand, hey, AEW's evolving and they're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. Who's in the middle of the card? Who's in the bottom of the card? You know, bottom of the card like Sean Spears. <laughs> That whole buildup with Sean Spears, like I can't get on the card and I'm going to have my own news network. And all of a sudden, Sean Spears comes up in a let me up match against Dustin Rhodes. And Sean Spears, I'm not even going to replay it. I just remember watching Sean Spears getting his clothes taken off and he has um, underwear with Tully Blanchard's face in the front on the crotch area. Tully Blanchard supposed to be the uh, manager for Sean Spears. Sean Spears coming from the WWE is supposed to be a thing. it was so tired of being uh, let down. A guy that can work. Sean Spears can work. A Lance Storm prodigy, right? And he, now he's in more nonsense. Goes from the WWE to AEW and still... He's he's on the bottom of the card. That was so bad yesterday, he shouldn't even be on AEW Dark. That's real talk. So, uh, I mean... Again, in, in, a, in a show that had comedy... Why was Sean Spears part of the comedy? <laughs> I, just... I don't get it. I don't understand. But congratulations to Brian Cage. That guy can work. He's, he's a tremendous performer. Um, the latter match, by the way, just a, a quick thought on that. Um, there's some, There's some spots there that are missing. You know, uh, I'll compare it to the WWE. No matter what you say about the, the Money in the Bank ladder matches or the ladder matches that they've had, the WWE are experts in it, and they make sure that they have precision timing when it comes to their spots. They're, they 95% of their spots are crisp. Watch that ladder match from Money in the Bank. That was not great. Uh, or or from uh, AEW Double or Nothing. Uh, Double or Nothing's ladder match on Saturday night was not... Was not very good. It wasn't very crisp. Um, there was some good spots there, especially from Darby Allin. Uh, some dangerous spots that took place there on that show. But, uh, again, we're talking about comedy in the ladder match. That's one thing that uh, was a little bit of an, an issue because you're trying to get that big chip that's hanging in the sky. You know, Orange Cassidy, you can't even, he can't even set up his own ladder because he's too, he's too lazy. Uh, another comedy spot, which is funny. But uh, yeah, there was some some things that were missing there from Kazarian and others, that just was not crisp. Yeah, I understand that it's not ballet and everything can't be perfect. But you know, at least with the WWE, if there's a spot that's in place, I don't know how many times they rehearse it, but there's it's not clunky, it's not um, unwatchable, and I thought that at times. The the focus should be on trying to get up the ladder that was not. Um, see Marco Stun in there with his mini ladder, a spot that was not necessary but it was in there. Uh, at some point, some of these gimmick matches have to have a little bit of seriousness in it as well. Um, Some feeling of, oh my God, will he be able to do it? Will she be able to do it? And we don't get enough of that in AEW. Again, trying out to eight, you know, the WWE is not the point. You're trying to have the best match Not the most comical match or not the best uh, uh, comedy spots in a match. It's just about having the best match. And finally on TWT, let's talk about Hannah Kimura. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with the story, Hannah Kimura was a Japanese wrestler uh, who um, died because of suicide because of cyberbullying. And all corners of the wrestling world, along with Shad Gaspard, which we talked about uh, on our last episode, how sad it was for Shad Gaspard to um, try to find his son as they're on the beach. The beach is open and they're both in the water. They're both caught in a riptide. The lifeguard says, hey, there goes my son, save my son. And all of a sudden, Shad Gaspard is uh, wiped away. Uh, and taken by the Riptide, and there was a search party looking for him. Three days later, his body washes up on the shore. That's amazing how the ocean does that, where you're caught in a Riptide, and you're just taken, taken down, taken away, and uh, Chad Gaspard from Crime Time uh, passes away, so that's sad. But Hannah Kimura is um, is an actress. Apparently she has a show on Netflix, uh, but also um, a professional wrestler that... Uh, took her own life because of cyberbullying. Dave Meltzer, uh, who is a wrestling historian from Wrestling Observer Live, I'll just pick up the story here where he talks about the life and times of Hannah Kimura and actually what happened as she passes at the age of 22. She, She, like, she
2: didn't, like, slap him in the face. What she did was she slapped, he was wearing a hat, she slapped the hat off of him and, um people just took that as this horrible thing and she started getting all kinds of, you know, negative reactions and people wishing her to die. It was a really, it's just basically bad cyberbullying. And I know that there's, um, you know, when I, I, I was probably the first one, but, um, you know, I mean, it's not like everyone else didn't follow and say like, you know, this is the suicide is a result of cyberbullying. i mean because that's what it was that's what she said in her essentially her um suicide note which she put public she put a tweet out um you know um you know basically right before she died right before she killed herself she put a tweet out and you know that was um so so the this, this situation and it's, it's actually become a real big story in japan too because a Apparently, there's now people trying to pass a law that if you harass someone or make threats to someone or something, it's at this level that you can be prosecuted. And in fact, there's tons of people who I guess were threatening her that have tried to delete the accounts. And I guess what they found out is that you leave you still leave a footprint. So a lot of those people who harassed her into what she did are very scared uh, because. Um, you know, I don't know what you could do, but there's, there's certainly threats out there. Um, and a lot of the celebrities in Japan are, have been in the last 24 hours have really talked up the idea of, um, that this should be criminal offense, you know, to, to make these kind of threats to somebody. Um, so I mean, I, you know, it's, it's so hard to say cause you don't know what goes through somebody's mind. And I mean, I've talked to people, I've, you know been in contact with people you just don't you know you don't know what what does it I mean she's you know again 22 years old and um, you know I guess it just it just hit her hard now because of the coronavirus the last two months they have not filmed the show so there were no new episodes to take people kind of out of that and into new stories and kind of forget about it so she was continually getting harassed and you know if her solace is working as a pro wrestler um she they did like that empty arena cinderella tournament i think but for the most part there have been no shows so if that was part of something that would like cheer her up or give her you know instead she's kind of by her you know i don't say by herself but um you know she didn't have those outlets i don't know if you know, there'd been no wrestling if something would have been different. Um, they would have kept filming the show. And, and the theory is is that, you know, once they got into new stories on the show and new things happened on the show, that maybe people would have forgot it. I mean, who's, who's to
1: say? So thoughts there from Dave Meltzer from The Wrestling Observer. And um, Terrace House, that was the name of the show that she was on on Netflix. I've not seen that show, but I looked it up. And Terrace House, that's the name of the show that she was on. And apparently some things that uh, she'd done that show, cyberbullies didn't like. And she took her life uh, at the age of 22. Well, we want to give you that story because that's been around uh wrestling for a while here. And uh just want you to... Uh, be aware of what was being said by many, including Dave Meltzer about that. I'm glad that you spent some time with me here for uh, TWT. Appreciate you and the TWT tribe checking out the show. Don't forget to hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestling TWT. I want to get your thoughts. Um, send me a note on social media. Give me your thoughts on what you thought of uh, Double or Nothing, the AEW pay-per-view from Jacksonville, Florida. Of course, well, keep our eyes on what is going on in the wrestling landscape. It is strange. I do get notes from time to time, people saying, isn't it strange to watch wrestling without fans? Well, the hope is, is that when when we are able to go back to arenas, when it is safe after COVID-19, hopefully you will appreciate the wrestlers even more when you're live. So sitting on your hands and just waiting for the next you know ladder spot or the next um, crazy daredevil spot, appreciate what you see in the ring. Because you see now, even without fans, you can see without the reaction how hard the men and women of wrestling are working. And they're working extra hard, even without the adrenaline rush of fans being able to boo them or cheer them or having any reaction whatsoever. Hats off to AEW in this regard. Man, they are doing a a great job by having some of the wrestlers they're not using as fans. um, Big Swole. She's the best wrestling slash fan they have in the company, in any company. She was going to jump on anybody. She was a great super fan, baby face uh, fan there uh, at Double or Nothing. She's, she was terrific. So. Uh, AEW definitely had distinguished themselves uh, more so than Impact Wrestling or the WWE that's trying to run re- wrestling in empty arenas doing a really good job. Good to see Vicky Guerrero as well that was also at ringside for Double or Nothing. She's looking good and great to see her face there. I know she's been somewhat exiled from the WWE because she's at AEW shows. It's so ridiculous. So ridiculous. You work for that company. You have some acclaim. and They try to lock you in. It's just so ridiculous. Okay, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. I uh, hope that you have a great Memorial Day weekend. Let's do this again next Tuesday. A uh, special guest uh, scheduled to join us is Impact Wrestling champion Moose. Uh, he will be on the program. We'll get a chance to talk to him about what's going on with Impact Wrestling, um, as that is on every Tuesday on XS TV and on Twitch. So they're, they're moving their shows along. Again, with no fans, they're doing it their way. And and Moose has really been able to grow as a performer, as a wrestler in the business. So we'll talk to him in a week or so. And uh, have a great time talking to you on another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for joining me right here on TWT.